Chapter Eight, Part Two of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollections of P. T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum, Chapter Eight: The American Museum, Part Two from the first it was my study to give my patrons a superfluity of novelties and for this i make no special claim to generosity for it was strictly a business transaction to send away my visitors more than doubly satisfied was to induce them to come again and to bring their friends i meant to make people talk about my museum to exclaim over its wonders to have men and women all over the country say there is not another place in the united states where so much can be seen for twenty-five cents as in barnum's american museum it was the best advertisement i could possibly have and one for which i could afford to pay i knew too that it was an honourable advertisement because it was as deserved as it was spontaneous and so in addition to the permanent collection and the ordinary attractions of the stage i laboured to keep the museum well supplied with transient novelties i exhibited such living curiosities as a rhinoceros giraffes grizzly bears orangutans great serpents and whatever else of the kind money would buy or enterprise secure knowing that a visit to my varied attractions and genuine curiosities was well worth to any one three times the amount asked as an entrance fee i confess that i was not so scrupulous as possibly i should have been about the methods used to call public attention to my establishment the one end aimed at was to make men and women think and talk and wonder and as a practical result go to the museum this was my constant study and occupation it was the world's way then as it is now to excite the community with flaming posters promising almost everything for next to nothing i confess that i took no pains to set my enterprising fellow-citizens a better example i fell in with the world's way and if my puffing was more persistent my advertising more audacious my posters more glaring my pictures more exaggerated my flags more patriotic and my transparencies more brilliant than they would have been under the management of my neighbours it was not because i had less scruple than they but more energy far more ingenuity and a better foundation for such promises in all this if i cannot be justified i at least find palliation in the fact that i presented a wilderness of wonderful instructive and amusing realities of such evident and marked merit that i have yet to learn of a single instance where a visitor went away from the museum complaining that he had been defrauded of his money surely this is an offset to any eccentricities to which i may have resorted to make my establishment widely known very soon after introducing my extra exhibitions i purchased for two hundred dollars a curiosity which had much merit and some absurdity it was a model of niagara falls in which the merit was that the proportions of the great cataract the trees the rocks and buildings in the vicinity were mathematically given while the absurdity was in introducing real water to represent the falls yet the model served a purpose in making a good line in the bill an end in view which was never neglected and it helped to give the museum notoriety 
one day i was summoned to appear before the board of croton water commissioners and was informed that as i paid only twenty-five dollars per annum for water at the museum i must pay a large extra compensation for the supply from my niagara falls i begged the board not to believe all that appeared in the papers nor to interpret my show bills too literally and assured them that a single barrel of water if my pump was in good order would furnish my falls for a month it was even so for the water flowed into a reservoir behind the scenes and was forced back with a pump over the falls on one occasion mr lewis gaylord clark the editor of the knickerbocker came to view my museum and introduced himself to me as i was quite anxious that my establishment should receive a first-rate notice at his hands i took pains to show him everything of interest except the niagara falls which i feared would prejudice him against my entire show but as we passed the room the pump was at work warning me that the great cataract was in full operation and clark to my dismay insisted upon seeing it well barnum i declare this is quite a new idea i never saw the like before no i faintly inquired with something like reviving hope no said clark and i hope with all my heart i never shall again but the knickerbocker spoke kindly of me and refrained from all allusions to the cataract of niagara with real water some months after clark came in breathless one day and asked me if i had the club with which captain cook was killed as i had a lot of indian war clubs in the collection of aboriginal curiosities and owing clark something on the old niagara falls account i told him i had the veritable club with documents which placed its identity beyond question and i showed him the warlike weapon poor cook poor cook said clark musingly well mr barnum he continued with great gravity at the same time extending his hand and giving mine a hearty shake i am really very much obliged to you for your kindness i had an irrepressible desire to see the club that killed captain cook and i felt quite confident you could accommodate me i have been in half a dozen smaller museums and as they all had it i was sure such a large establishment like yours would not be without it a few weeks afterwards i wrote to clark that if he would come to my office i was anxious to consult him on a matter of great importance he came and i said now i don't want any of your nonsense but i want your sober advice he assured me that he would serve me in any way in his power and i proceeded to tell him about a wonderful fish from the nile offered to me for exhibition at one hundred dollars a week the owner of which was willing to forfeit five thousand dollars if within six weeks this fish did not pass through a transformation in which the tail would disappear and the fish would then have legs is it possible asked the astonished clark i assured him that there was no doubt of it thereupon he advised me to engage the wonder at any price that it would startle the naturalists wake up the whole scientific world draw in the masses and make twenty thousand dollars for the museum i told him that i thought well of the speculation only i did not like the name of the fish that makes no difference whatever said clark what is the name of the fish tadpole i replied with becoming gravity but it is vulgarly called pollywog sold by thunder exclaimed clark and he left a curiosity 
which in an extraordinary degree served my ever-present object of extending the notoriety of the museum was the so-called fiji mermaid it has been supposed that this mermaid was manufactured by my order but such is not the fact i was known as a successful showman and strange things of every sort were brought to me from all quarters for sale or exhibition in the summer of eighteen forty two mr moses kimball of the boston museum came to new york and showed me what purported to be a mermaid he had bought it from a sailor whose father a sea captain had purchased it in calcutta in eighteen twenty two from some japanese sailors i may mention here that this identical preserved specimen was exhibited in london in eighteen twenty two as i fully verified in my visit to that city in eighteen fifty eight for i found an advertisement of it in an old file of the london times and a friend gave me a copy of the mirror published by j limbird three thirty five strand november ninth eighteen twenty two containing a cut of this same creature and two pages of letterpress describing it together with an account of other mermaids said to have been captured in different parts of the world the mirror stated that this specimen was the great source of attraction in the british metropolis and three to four hundred people every day pay their shilling to see it this was the curiosity which had fallen into mr kimball's hands i requested my naturalist's opinion of the genuineness of the animal and he said he could not conceive how it could have been manufactured for he never saw a monkey with such peculiar teeth arms hands etc and he never saw a fish with such peculiar fins but he did not believe in mermaids nevertheless i concluded to hire this curiosity and to modify the general incredulity as to the possibility of the existence of mermaids and to awaken curiosity to see and examine the specimen i invoked the potent power of printer's ink since japan has been open to the outer world it has been discovered that certain artists in that country manufacture a great variety of fabulous animals with an ingenuity and mechanical perfection well calculated to deceive no doubt my mermaid was a specimen of this curious manufacture i used it mainly to advertise the regular business of the museum and this effective indirect advertising is the only feature i can commend in a special show of which i confess i am not proud i might have published columns in the newspapers presenting and praising the great collection of genuine specimens of natural history in my exhibition and they would not have attracted nearly so much attention as did a few paragraphs about the mermaid which was only a small part of my show newspapers throughout the country copied the mermaid notices for they were novel and caught the attention of readers thus was the fame of the museum as well as the mermaid wafted from one end of the land to the other i was careful to keep up the excitement for i knew that every dollar sown in the advertising would return in tens and perhaps hundreds in a future harvest and after obtaining all the notoriety possible by advertising and by exhibiting the mermaid at the museum i sent the curiosity throughout the country directing my agent to everywhere advertise it as from barnum's great american museum new york the effect was immediately felt money flowed in rapidly and was readily expended in more advertising while i expended money liberally for attractions for the inside of my museum and bought or hired everything curious or rare which was offered or could be found i was prodigal in my outlays to arrest or arouse public attention 
when i became proprietor of the establishment there were only the words american museum to indicate the character of the concern there was no bustle or activity about the place no posters to announce what was to be seen the whole exterior was as dead as the skeletons and stuffed skins within my experiences had taught me the advantages of advertising i printed whole columns in the papers setting forth the wonders of my establishment old fogies opened their eyes in amazement at a man who could expend hundreds of dollars in announcing a show of stuffed monkey skins but these same old fogies paid their quarters nevertheless and when they saw the curiosities and novelties in the museum halls they like all other visitors were astonished as well as pleased and went home and told their friends and neighbors and thus assisted in advertising my business for other and not less effective advertising flags and banners began to adorn the exterior of the building i kept a band of music on the front balcony and announced free music for the million people said well that barnum is a liberal fellow to give us music for nothing and they flocked down to hear my outdoor free concerts but i took pains to select and maintain the poorest band i could find one whose discordant notes would drive the crowd into the museum out of earshot of my outside orchestra of course the music was poor when people expect to get something for nothing they are sure to be cheated and generally deserve to be and so no doubt some of my outdoor patrons were sorely disappointed but when they came inside and paid to be amused and instructed i took care to see that they not only received the full worth of their money but were more than satisfied powerful drummond lights were placed at the top of the museum which in the darkest night threw a flood of light up and down broadway from the battery to niblo's that would enable one to read a newspaper in the street these were the first drummond lights ever seen in new york and they made people talk and so advertise my museum. End of chapter 8, part 2